Before we start our conversation today, we have a short invitation. As most of you know, this entire podcast is made possible by the generosity of our legacy builders. Legacy Builders is a group of people from all over the world who give monthly to fuel this dream we have in our hearts of seeing discipleship to Jesus in the family flourish. We've already developed a film series entitled Raising Passionate Jesus Followers, which is a step-by-step guide of what it looks like to practice discipleship to Jesus from birth to launch. This offering is available completely free for any church that would like to run it in their church community. Or for a low cost, you can download the content for yourself at home. We have churches running our film series all around the world, and now, because of the generosity of our legacy builders, this film series has been translated into Spanish. We plan to release more film series, specifically on marriage and emotional health, over the next few years, along with new podcasts, long-form courses, books, and more. We are a crowd-funded nonprofit made possible by the generosity of everyday people like you and me. Yes, we have some people who give monthly to legacy builders with a very large dollar amount, but we now desire to invite a whole new group of people to give $10, $25, or even $30 a month. Many of you are just like me. You likely already pay $20 a month for Netflix, $10 a month for Apple Music or Spotify, or various other offerings. Would you consider giving monthly to Intentional? $5, even $10 a month. Again, our dream is to see people step up and partner with us at a financial level and see this work integrated into families around the world. So as you listen to this podcast, would you prayerfully consider joining us? Would you allow the Spirit to lead you, even if it's just a few dollars a month? Thank you so much, and may the Spirit of Jesus give you wisdom, clarity, and joy as you pray about joining us. If you want to join today, go to intentionalparents.org and click on Give. Now, Enjoy today's episode. Welcome to the Intentional Parents Podcast. Intentional exists to help parents in their God-given task to raise passionate Jesus followers. We exist to bring hope, help, and healing to families. Each week, we will talk about anything from parenting, marriage, lifestyle, and what it looks like to follow Jesus in our time. Intentional is made up of Phil and Diane Comer and Brooke and Elizabeth Moser. I am Brooke, and the funny thing is, we are all family. Elizabeth is Phil and Diane's daughter, so we're a family figuring this thing out together. We hope this podcast feels like you're sitting with us in our home talking about how to do this thing called life together. Elizabeth and I are your hosts. Let's get into this week's podcast. All right, welcome back to the Intentional Parents Podcast. The whole crew is here today. Phil, Diane, Elizabeth, myself. Hi, everyone. Hello. 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 We're ready. We're ready to do one of our one of my favorite things. I know that Phil doesn't love that I don't give him all the questions, but uh, a Q and R. We're going to answer some of and respond to some of your questions. Yeah, you're ready. I'm ready. I'm not ready. You're I have not, no idea what you're going to. You're going to do great. You're going to do great. Uh, but we had so many. Um, have had so many questions come in over the years, but also just even recently, we asked all of the the wonderful moms that were at our motherhood retreat for mm-hmm. questions. And man, did did you show up, moms, to that uh, to that responding and asking questions? I cannot tell you how many questions we had come in yeah. just from that one event. We've had a lot even still, but um, 
yeah, it's just a bit encouraging and trying to get through some of those. So I don't know how many we're going to get through and I hope we're able to cover some of your particular question that you've asked listener. Uh, but we're going to get into that today. And before we do, just thank you again for everybody that has rated and subscribed and left a comment. If you haven't had a chance to do that, that helps immensely. And you can do that on Spotify or Apple podcast. And it just means the world to leave a comment or to even rate the podcast, at least take five to 10 seconds to do that now. So today let's get into some of the questions. I'm going to start with a capacity question because I think as parents, I know Elizabeth and I feel this. I mean, we were just been talking about this recently. Uh, we're now, as this is being released, we're in December. It's already the month of Christmas. Can you guys believe it? And no snow yet. <laughs> no I snow can't believe we don't have snow yet. <laughs> it's come, It's supposed to potentially be here this week. Well, hopefully we'll see, but you're, we're at Phil and Diane's house currently recording and the tree is up, all these different, it's becoming very festive. The tree has presents under it even, and they're yes. for who? Who are the presents for so far? They're all for Bertie and Sloan. You're, <laughs> yes. you're two. They're the most fun to buy. The little ones are, are the most fun to buy. What can I and, say? I'm and we're a sucker for them. But their so presents are cheap too. Well, yes, not all true. of them, but yeah. they're going to enjoy what they get. <laughs> so we we're, it's festive over here, and I know this is a big month for lots of families, and we're going to talk about capacity because as even this month comes in, there's so mm -hmm. many extra things. Uh, thinking of all the school events, the church events, the the parties, the social work things that are happening, not to mention just uh, all the family gathering stuff that mm -hmm. people are doing. So uh, this person asked, what if God is having you consistently live outside your capacity? I don't know if God is the only one causing that, but the idea here, you're constantly having to live outside your capacity in order to depend upon him more. I think uh, I think it's a mom who sent this in. She said, I always feel like I'm constantly living outside of my capacity apart from Christ for the last three years or so. How do you say your no's and your yeses when you're always maxed out by the calling God has for you? And I think she's saying she's speaking as a mom of three. She has one that has high special needs and a bonus baby. And when I like the word bonus baby, number four mm -hmm. uh, on the way. And so she she goes on to say she knows that there's an invitation to, to, to trust, but she's only seeing discouragement and it's been really discouraging for her. So capacity, how do we depend on Jesus when it seems like everything he's calling us to do is overwhelming, taxing, really challenging? maxing this out. Mm -hmm. I just see Elizabeth like, I have so well, many things to say. I, I think I want to say, first of all, to, to this mom, um, I think every mother of young children, especially teenagers too, and sometimes adult kids too, um, join the club. This yeah. is what it means yeah. to be a mother. Hmm. And I think you even look at the Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus, who is um, no doubt about it, an example to us of really beautiful motherhood, 100% commitment. And her song that she sings of exaltation when she's finding out that she's actually going to endure what is a difficult part of being a mother um, is so beautiful and so full of hope. And I think we just need to recognize this part of being a mother is this sort of dying to an easy life mm. and realizing that God is using this in our lives, even though it just takes great faith to believe that when every single day you stumble and you fall and you fall apart 
Um, but God is actually using this to create in us a strength and endurance and put in our hearts a message that we will carry with us for the rest of our lives. So as discouraging as it can be and is, I remember many times staring out the window thinking I had exalted motherhood to be this, <laughs> you know, ecstasy almost state and realizing it. I felt lonely. I felt isolated. I felt stretched. I used to think I was a, a really patient person until I had my <laughs> first baby. And I realized, oh my gosh, I'm irritated about just the most I ridiculous think a lot of things. Are like yes. that. Yeah, they think they're very in touch with being calm and present until something actually adds enough tension yes. to cause them to crack. Yeah. So I think there's just maybe if there's just even hope in that this is a normal part. Of yes. being a young mom. And then add to that a special needs child, and you are um, forging new paths, um, mm -hmm. pioneering. How do you do this with yes, this child? How do yeah. I introduce this child to know and love Jesus? Hmm. Yeah, my first thought as a as a husband of a wife who <laughs> who feels this way. I mean, I I mean, to be fair, I feel this way too. So it's not, I know this is not just the sisters out there, husbands listening. I know this is you too. It all depends on your stage of life. But um I we just had we this just was our conversation last week. Like mm -hmm. it was a, mm -hmm. a week of Thanksgiving. So everyone had school off. The schedules were different, which means sweet birdie had when any time the schedule changes mm -hmm. drastically, it is a whole uptick of all sorts of emotions and feelings. So you have no natural rhythm. And Elizabeth is very, very attached to rhythm and routine <laughs> and thrives in that space. I mean, when she comes in stressed out, just by giving her a plan and structure, she's just like begins to like, ah. Mm -hmm. So we've gone through this just, I mean, we go through this, you know, very often. It's a very cyclical thing, but I don't need to say more. I just, just to agree to say yes, but I'm sure Elizabeth, you have some thoughts, but we're in it with you as, is all I can say. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we could do a whole episode on this or, and then some, um, I think so much of what you said, mom, is is so true. I think that a lot of the feeling of being at at capacity or past capacity is a lot of motherhood. Mm -hmm. And we don't talk about that a lot. We don't no one warns us going in mm -hmm. that you will have years where you are uncomfortably stretched. Mm -hmm. Um so I think so much of that is motherhood. And then you add anything to that, mm -hmm. a surprise baby and a child with special needs. Oh, man. I yeah. just want to say to the mom who asked this question or any mom out there that that is your reality. Your load is heavy mm -hmm. and it is heavier than mm -hmm. moms who don't have those challenges. And I think so often we can forget that. We can mm -hmm. try to operate as if, that's not the case, not on purpose. I think it's just there's this unspoken expectation that, well, yeah, but still do all the things and still make it look like <laughs> it's easy. So I think you have to have, I just wrote down a couple of thoughts, but I think that especially in the season that this person is in, you have to have people in your life who actually understand your load. And yeah. it's you. It's probably going to be somebody else who has a child with special needs who mm -hmm. actually 
can empathize with the load that you're carrying that you can be honest with, that you can Mm -hmm. say, this feels like too much. This feels unfair. I don't know how to give the one with special needs what they need and give everybody else what they need. It feels impossible. It feels Mm -hmm. impossible because it kind of is impossible some Mm -hmm. of the time. Mm -hmm. But I think those are the years that, like you said, mom, that true treasures are being formed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that in our journey of it, and I would say I have been, felt like I've been beyond capacity. I don't even know how many years. I think I'd get depressed if I added up how many years, but a lot of years. And I think the thing that came to mind when I heard this question was, you have to hold tension. You have to learn to hold tension. Your life will be tension, but you have to learn to hold the tension between radically accepting that these are the kids you have. This is the stage that you're in. It does feel like too much. It feels like more than you can give. And that is reality. And you have to radically accept that while at the same time, in in the same breath, holding space for you might need to try some new things and some mm-hmm. things might need to mm-hmm. change and some mm-hmm. things might need to go and you might need to hire some help if you can financially. And I feel like we have to always be sitting in the tension of both things because mm-hmm. you can't just put some quick fix on you stop doing this one thing and everything is going to feel fine. Mm-hmm. Like that's not reality. So you have to accept that it's hard and that it's maybe not what you envisioned it was going to be. But then I think you always have to be reevaluating and willing to try new things that maybe could in the long run actually help. And for that, I think it's so individual, person to person, home to home, what it is that your actual needs are. Because we all need different things. If you're introverted, if you're extroverted, if you need a clean house, if you don't care if you have a clean house, if you, you know, like you're all, it's going to look different for every family. But I, mm-hmm. I, <laughs> we've had so many conversations oh my. of just, <laughs> let's put it all on the table and mm-hmm. see if anything can go. I'm at the point now where I'm like, I, there is nothing left that can go. <laughs> and we're like more, more needs, more needs to go. Yeah, it's, but I think you have to regularly with your spouse have those honest conversations. Of like, is there anything we're yeah. doing that we don't need to be doing? That maybe is a cultural expectation that you realize mm-hmm. this is actually not reality for mm-hmm. our family at this stage of life or even mm-hmm. for our values at this stage of life. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. If you're trying to keep everybody um, following Jesus, loving each other, then there are certain things that are going to go that are just not part of mm-hmm. following Jesus or loving each other. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. that. And sometimes you've let go of all the things that you can let go of and it's still, it's still too much and too hard. And I think that's the time when you truly have to, I mean, always, but truly have to press in and ask Jesus to sustain you each and every day. Like waking up, I feel like that's been me recently of just each day. God, would you just help me do today? Mm -hmm. Help me see the kids in front of me today. Help me know what they need today. Instead of, I tend to look at the whole big picture, like none of this is working. We need to change all Mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I think there's something so beautiful that happens in all of the hard that forces you to live one day at a time. Psalm Mm -hmm. 54, 4. This is going to be going out. You'll probably, this will go out before uh on on our daily text but it's a text that's coming up it's 54:4 but the lord god has become my divine helper 
Yes. I love that one. Yes. I love, so is that where you're going? Exact, you're, not exactly that verse, but that is just like beautiful. the Holy Spirit My being divine helped. I think one thing we need to remember when we when we see that God is pushing us past our capacities, we've already eliminated everybody else's expectation of us. Hmm. We're actually living the life that God wants us to to live and to have in Him. Then we have to um, then we turn to Him in the clinging, um, I cannot make it through this day without you kind of Mm -hmm. a stance. I mean, that's what happened to me when I was a young mom, found out I was losing my hearing really rapidly, terrified. How in the world do you raise young children and you can't Mm -hmm. hear? Then I had a type one diabetic, juvenile diabetes when he was eight. I mean, overwhelming, like you can't sleep. Mm -hmm. Life is hard, but you know what it really did? Because of years and years of being told and practicing being in the Word every day, trying my best to be in the Word, even if Mm. it's just a verse or two every day, it became almost natural for me to just turn into Him. I almost felt like I was climbing up on His lap all throughout the day saying, I can't, but you can. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And that's what John 15 is all about. Just, you know, I would recommend any mom begin to meditate throughout the day on John 15, um, especially maybe the first verses, you know, up to verse 17. Write them out, begin to memorize them, chew on them, think about them, because that's all to do with being staying present to Jesus, because it's only in his strength mm-hmm. that some days it, that you're actually going to be able to come through this thriving instead mm-hmm. of just browbeaten, exhausted. Yeah constantly weary person you know because it's him who says come to me all you who are here weary and heavy laden, and i will give you rest so there's some mystical kind of a rest that jesus alone can give us that Mm -hmm. a good nap might help but it won't we don't necessarily you wake up to the same chaos (laughs) you don't necessarily get rest but in him really is rest and Mm. i know that might sound frustratingly conceptual, but I have sensed it and lived it over so many years. I know it's there. Mm. It's just almost like Paul was saying, you know, I haven't achieved it. I know I haven't completely achieved it, but I'm pressing on to know Jesus in this way. Well, you know the difference between people that actually practice that and don't. For example, you don't find out, like there's a a good way to say there's a lot of people that believe what you're saying is good, but won't take the time or energy to actually try it. And they'll stay stuck and then they'll say, why am I stuck? Why am I stuck? But then they won't take that encouragement of like you have you can't actually get access to the rest unless you become a practitioner to an extent. You have to engage with it. And I think the only reason we, I know we all can say that at the table is simply because we've all been at the same spot, end of our rope, what do you do? And Jesus truly has, although it hasn't been easy or straightforward or always the the kind of relief that we would choose in the moment, he's always caused blessing, relief, and and encouragement. And I know Phil has something over here. I can Mm -hmm. see. Oh, I love everything that you guys are saying. You know, God created us to have a relationship with him and to need him in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when we're, if we're going to, live out his calling in our life. We can't do it in our own strength because he wants to do something Mm -hmm. in and through us that the only explanation is Christ and me, you know, the hope, the hope of glory. And so um, I just think, you know, her question is a good question. And 
I know I think Diane and Elizabeth are going to talk more about it in another podcast about capacity. Mm-hmm. But the other day, my yeah, lovely true. wife was sitting there. I won't tell the story because you can tell it in the next podcast. But she said, I need to ask myself, is this mine to do? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a capacity question. Mm-hmm. Now, if you have three little kids, they are yours to do, <laughs> but not alone. Like if you've totally. got a godly husband, you go to him and you pray together. And um, But I think that the Lord is so ready to give real spiritual strength to those who cry out to him. Yeah. And, and the, uh, you know, I, w- I was thinking of that song I used to love. We, nobody sings it anymore. The 1980s was a song, Give Thanks with a Grateful oh, Heart. Yeah. And the bridge too. was, and now let the weak yeah. say I am strong. Yeah. Let the poor say I am rich because of what the Lord has, has done, done for us. Yeah. And so it's it's the classic. Lord. He He is He's the one who gives strength, you know. So um, here's what I love about you bring that up because when that song came out, it was like out of New Zealand or something, right? That's was where I remember something? leading it. But yeah. no, okay, Don so Moen anyway, wrote it. It came out of America, but they were singing it okay. in New Zealand. Um, uh, we were living in Santa Cruz, and I was at this overwhelmed state. Mm-hmm. Just when you say that, I can just picture me in our house in Santa Cruz. Elizabeth was uh, a little toddler who uh, we used to joke that um, – she had like a, a leash attached to me. She never wanted to be more than 18 inches. <laughs> yes, she's still that. like that with me. She, <laughs> came out, she can't handle just being away from me. She just can't. She's go. so independent. And now I look back joke. and think, I, I mean, where is that little girl who just was so needed yeah. a lot? Um, yeah. I remember her getting the chicken pox <laughs> in every nook and cranny of her body and oh just holding gosh. her for like four or five days. Oh. She slept on top of me. Uh, I just held her. I did yeah. nothing but hold her. I told Phil, you're going to bring dinner home because I have to hold this girl because she's so in so much oh. pain. Um so when you say that, let the week, I remember worshiping at the church that we were at, standing there, worshiping, thanking God that it had been like five weeks since I'd been able to go to church because of sick kids, <laughs> one after another. And slow. when your husband is a pastor, you yeah. can't leave him home with dad. Uh, that's hard. And I remember standing there worshiping and just so thankful um, that he was meeting me in this place that was way way yeah. beyond my capacity. Yeah, and I, I think we've all, hopefully all have experienced this where I, I can remember being away from you and away from the family mm-hmm. off in another city getting ready to preach, exhausted, thinking mm-hmm. they're introducing me and I'm thinking, I am so tired. Lord, yeah. I need your power now. Yeah. And getting up and yeah. feeling energized. Yeah. You know, uh, Isaiah, just a couple more things, Brooke, and I will be quiet. Isaiah 43. I don't want one. you to be quiet. I was Those who just wait on the Lord good, shall good. renew their strength. And you pointed out in our podcast, yes. that word wait in Hebrew, those who entwine yes. their hearts yes. around him shall, shall gain new strength and they shall yeah. run and not grow weary. So we're not saying it's easy. We're just saying God is so there to help. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you none of us can live. None of us can follow the way of Jesus in our own strength. We need Jesus to follow the way of Jesus because only Jesus lived the way of Jesus perfectly. And, and, you know, I I love you quoted the Apostle Paul. Yeah, he said, I haven't attained it yet, but he he wanted to. But he he said in in Philippians uh, 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, what's the all things? Anything God's called me to do. So that's why we have to ask that question. Is this mine to do? And then if I am called to do it, 
and he's got me to a point of need, that's when we cry out and that's when we begin Mm -hmm. to experience the supernatural that's supernaturally natural. But we see God come in and help and he might help through a friend. He might help through a parent. Yeah. You know, suddenly a grandparent getting a clue that they're not supposed to just be out, you know, doing whatever they want to do, but actually come alongside their daughter and help or it might be (laughs) some, you know, God, God's there to to step in. You know, I think you're. Uh, just for the record, I don't want you to stop talking. Secondly, (laughs) I think that you're right, that it's, it's God leading you. You know, you guys have made a huge sacrifice to move your life over. And obviously we work together. There's some, there's, there's other layers to it, but even if we didn't, you know, you guys still made this move to be a part of our life and help us in a deep way, which you would have done for your other kids too. It's just the different setup. The needs are different. Um, And, and what I hear you guys say, and I won't put words in your mouth, but what I hear you guys often say is, I didn't know that we even, like that you really enjoy being here. You lo- mm-hmm. enjoy living here. Mm-hmm. Enjoy it. Like it's like an adventure at this it's stage of life. It's been like a surprise. Like a surprise. Yeah. yeah. It's like this, like God, I think God also gives you these gifts yeah. when you're walking in this, you know, in this way that he's talking about, you know, to that mom that's like discouraged just to say that I think there yeah. are along the journey that is also hard. There's also these beautiful gifts that you can't foresee right now. You can't see it. And so you're in it. Can no, because I add one thing to this. Yes, there and might, then we'll go to the next question. Might be grandparents listening. Sure. And um, I think I I feel like this is kind of something the spirit is, of God is doing amongst those mm. my age, our age, a generation of grandparents who are beginning to get a clue. Yeah. That retirement does not mean just doing all the things I have ever dreamt of doing, but actually retirement might be even the most high and holy calling of pouring into our grandchildren, not just fun things and fun Christmas presents under the tree, (laughs) but I mean, really pouring into them, really pouring relationship into them. So I think some of, some of the grandparents who might be listening, maybe you need to be praying. You watch your daughter, you watch your son, you watch them crumbling. And if you actually have the means to help, you know, what did Jesus say about those who who say, uh, Phil, you're going to have to give a me the verse cool here. Water. A cup of you cool know, water. Thing. Who say, uh, go warm and be filled. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, you, they see somebody in need. And, but they don't actually and do And the response is just, you know, go be yeah, warm that's and be James. filled. That's James. Faith without works is dead. If someone will say, you know, he's saying there, uh, if, if, a man says he has faith, but he has no works. Can that faith save him if a brother or sister is without clothing or in need of daily food? And one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm to be filled. And right. if you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what yes. use is that? Okay, so, so this is it's, what it's I see. It's a practical some of us, faith. It's faith that works. Some of us sum this up as saying, I've heard it. I've heard it. Oh, yeah. You know, you're going to get through it. It's really hard, but we did it and you can do it too. May I just say- That is so discouraging. This generation (laughs) is raising their children in a world so different Hmm. than when we were raising our children Mm -hmm. that it's not comparable. The pressures are invisible. I Hmm. think they are largely- from a spirit of darkness, Mm -hmm. but they're also just cultural, just the noise. And I mean, we didn't even have an answering machine when my kids were little. Wow. If if I couldn't get to the phone, I couldn't get to the phone. And you didn't know what happened. I love (laughs) that. Exactly. I love that. So the pressures that are on this generation, many of which cannot be avoided, 
um, are really immense. So yeah. I would just like to offer the, you know, for you to just consider maybe that. consider is mm. God um, want to actually make you a little less comfortable now too, wow. and um, to give your life away to some of those grandkids um, mm. who will remember you forever. We knew a, a wonderful man whose name was Tom. And at his memorial service, we were just um, laughing as we heard grandchild after grandchild after great-grandchild who was either named Tom or whose middle name was Tom. Oh, wow. Because he had poured so he saw it as part of his legacy to be pouring directly into his mm -hmm. grandchildren. We have a new offering for you. If you would like to receive daily or weekly text messages and encouragement around parenting, marriage, with prayers and scriptures, click the link in the show notes and we would love to send those to you. Can't wait to connect more with you. Well, on the subject of grandparenting <laughs> and pouring into uh a great transition would be the topic of death. <laughs> death, death oh, not related to the grandparenting, but it is also a question that came in. So um, the next question actually comes from someone. And this is actually a, a great question. We haven't really yeah. addressed it before. And so we want to talk about it a little bit. Uh, but basically, um, this gal had just asked, oh, I think um, I don't want to, I don't want to assume it was a woman that was asking, but uh Essentially, the, the deal is uh, a family member had passed away and it, they had to introduce the subject of death to their four-year-old because a family member that was close to them had passed away. Um, and so now the four-year-old's asking, okay, are you and daddy going to die? Okay, it is a woman. Are you and daddy going to die? And they're very scared of the fact that one day they're going to die. And they're trying to figure out how do we navigate this subject on the situation. Um and then she was saying she personally struggles with anxiety around dying and death, and she's trying to work through that. So she's not only trying to help her own child through this, but at the same time, feeling that overwhelmed anxiety herself. So what are some of the things that we can encourage her with? How to talk about death with our kids? What's real? What's not real? And then the hope of heaven, which I know, Phil, we're gonna you're going to talk about, which I'm very excited about. But uh, I want to talk about this idea of, of death and how we talk to our kids about death. Mm -hmm. And and this just maybe what, before we jump into all of the the meat of this question, I know we've, Elizabeth and I have gone through this. My dad passed mm -hmm. away two years ago. Mm -hmm. I think we, is it two or three? Two years. This, two years. This December. Two years this December. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that's a, that's a big deal, you know, and all our kids. And two of have, our kids, you know, had a lot of memories with him. And then the youngest, not as much, mostly remembers him as he was dying but yeah. yeah 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 the amount of stuff she she yeah she says so many funny things but yeah we've had to talk to our kids openly about mm -hmm. it and be honest but our kids haven't um it hasn't caused our kids to be scared of death mm -hmm. in the sense where they're walking around with a palpable fear mm -hmm. um so but we were really open about it and there's some anxiety around it but I think the, the, you know, before dad, I know you have a bunch to say on it. And I think giving our kids the perspective of heaven in their whole life is, is wonderful. But I think we have to remember that the fear of death. So even it's this mom who is saying, man, I have major anxiety about this. Think about how God created things to be. We weren't supposed to, to have to embody living in this fear of 
we could die at any moment Mm because that's the reality. We could die at any moment. Some freak accident could happen or we could get cancer or, Mm -hmm. but we were never meant to even have to process that or carry that fear in our bodies. So the fear and the, what do I do with that fear? And, and the battle between, well, I know I'm not supposed to be anxious because I have heaven to look forward to, but I'm actually really scared. Like that's a very normal, a normal fear. And so I think first we can't, shame ourselves or our kids or or even quickly bypass that fear. Mm-hmm. I think one of the most powerful things we can do with our kids when our four-year-old says, I'm afraid of anything, of death, of the dark, of anything, <laughs> man, yeah, that sounds really scary to you. Like, And, and to say to your four-year-old, I'm scared of dying too. That's a fear That's I wrestle really with too. That's a really good thing to say, mm-hmm. yes. Like, because I think so often we don't, we normalize certain things, but we don't normalize things like fear. I think sometimes because we have this false idea of if we say it out loud, then it could happen or it could overtake us, you know? But I think one of the most powerful things we can do with our kids when they're feeling a whole lot is just acknowledge what they're feeling before we try to fix anything, before we try to tell them the truth. And I will say death is a tricky one. It's really because tricky. When, because kids just naturally ask these questions. So, like, am I so die? Sloan, like, Sloan yeah. asked a bunch as her grandpa was dying, Am I going to get cancer? Oh, I know. Well, yes. every time I'd kind of be like tongue tied a little bit of like, everything in me wants to say, No, you don't need to worry about that. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, there's a very good chance she could get cancer. So, how do I answer this question but can I just say, without instilling fear in her? But I have to say, though, that's taking into account the age stage and development of kids. Yes. How many times yeah. do you not give your kids the full, all of the information because you know it would be unkind to give it to them, mm-hmm. right? Like to put that Thank on them as a four-year-old yeah. or five-year-old. Or if you have a kid who really struggles with anxiety, I think you have to be a little more careful. You have to really weigh your words because you yeah. might say something that causes their mind to spiral. Right. Yes. So it's it's a it's an interesting tension that I think you have to ask the spirit to help you with because mm-hmm. yes. um but I think there is a level of of honesty that is also important. I of think not, that and that helps with trust because yes. you don't want to do like so pe- so many people dismiss those kind of fears. Um, by just saying, oh, you don't have to worry about, oh, that won't happen to you. Mm -hmm. But if you're, if the person is halfway or even the child is halfway intelligent Mm -hmm. or perceptive, they know full well it could happen to them. Yes. And so to, to dismiss that is, is going to make them lose trust in you. It's almost like when, you know, you take them in and they get their, you know, shots, you know, if you say, oh, it's not going to hurt. I, I remember Matthew with thinking, his his <laughs> diabetes shot. The nurses would say, "Oh, it doesn't hurt," and Matt would say, yes, "Mom, it, it hurts mm-hmm. yeah. every single time. It hurts." Oh, they're lying. Mm-hmm. Don't say I that. I was literally thinking. I remember one time I had like used <laughs> to have the most irrational fear of needles. Okay, shots, anything, and then swallowing once you pills, start having kids, you swallowing get over pills, all of it. That's another one. <laughs> bee stings. Oh, oh man, that's that still real. That's- um, but I remember one time was going to a doctor's appointment, and you swore that I was not going to have to get a shot. Oh, is this going to be a childhood oh, wound? I do too. Uh-huh. Oh, this oh, is great. I remember this too. And then I <laughs> yes. needed to get a shot. 
And uh, I was like, I felt betrayed. Of course. Like, you and did. now as a mom, I'm like, that was not your fault <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. But I think that, and that's just like a silly Let's example. Work this so wound. Silly thing, Let's work but, this but wound. you know, now knowing what I know now, I would actually address it. You mm-hmm. know, apologize. I didn't know because really, what it, really what it translated to you was feeling of mom is not in control when I go to the doctor's mm-hmm. office. Um, mm. and she didn't even know I was going to get this shot and promised me I wouldn't. So mm-hmm. wow, this is where hard. you have to figure out where to be honest and a little, yes. and you know what? Everything is an ongoing conversation too. Yes. Sure. Yes. You know? There's so many layers. And, yeah. and if you don't feel like you did it well, you can go back and say, yeah, I mean, if with a four-year-old, it's not maybe going back and saying, I wish I had done that differently, but it's maybe you go back and yeah. you ask more questions. Yeah. But I think we have to remember that with stuff like this, with fear specifically, our kids do not need us to have all the right things to say. Yeah. They just need our presence with them in their fear. So good. Yeah. And the right things to say and the conversations are going to happen over time as they get bigger. Then the conver- I mean, the conversations we get to have with our older kids right now are just like, couldn't have even dreamed they'd be so wonderful. Like, and it's yeah. back and forth. And if you feel like you messed it up, you can go right back in and say, I didn't handle that the way I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Well, I, and I, we can talk again. But I, when yeah. they're little, it really is your body right next to theirs being present well, with Can I say something? It. The whole, as you're saying this, the, the vision that I keep getting, I don't know who this mom is or what she looks like, but I literally get a vision of this mom sitting right next to her little boy on the couch and just saying, you know, I'm scared to death too. I'm overwhelmed by that. And it's sometimes it's hard, but you know what I do? I, I pray, I ask for God's peace. So why don't we do that together? Like mm-hmm. that is the vision that mm-hmm. I get. So yes. if you're, a, if you're the mom that yeah, asked this question, good. try that no, simply because Absolutely I think no beautiful. matter what, that's going to be fruitful for you and your, mm-hmm. your child. But I know Diane has something and then Phil, I'm so excited for the icing on yeah, the cake too. because we get to actually talk about heaven, which is the hope of death. And that's exactly. the, there's mm-hmm. a beauty behind this that we haven't even talked about yet. So we're talking oh, about yeah. the practical layer. And then Phil, I wanted to talk about heaven, but Diane, before we I just, it just happened to be in my quiet time this morning. I just um, was reading Jesus praying in Gethsemane. So he is Mm -hmm. scared. I mean, it seems like he's scared. He's sorrowing is really the word. He's in deep anguish and deep distress. This Mm -hmm. is in Matthew 26. Um, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. And he asks Mm. a couple of friends, his closest and most intimate friends, to stay here with me and watch with me. And really, I think that a child that is expressing a fear of death is is exactly where Jesus was in that Mm -hmm. moment, just getting Mm -hmm. a glimpse of what Jesus felt at Gethsemane. And he had the wisdom to understand he couldn't do this by himself, that Mm -hmm. he needed these two intimate friends. You know, this child needs mom, this child needs dad Mm -hmm. to just stay here Mm. and watch with me, just Mm -hmm. to be with him, to be in his presence. And that's really all he had to Mm. say. But I think that's dovetailing just a really scriptural practical affirmation that Mm -hmm. what you're saying is what this child really needs is just presence. We are all going to die and it is going to be scary for all of us. Mm. I mean, I don't think there's very many people who who never fear dying. Oh yeah. Or um, yeah. Letting go. And it's the process. Even those of us who've 
walked with Jesus for a long time, it's the process that we're scared of because it's kind of scary. Oh, mm -hmm. it's it's yeah. huge. It's often it's involves really pain and suffering, mm -hmm. and um, and it did for Jesus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you know, even just go with your child to, or or just be praying with you yourself and with your child through um, Matthew twenty six, starting in verse thirty six. Um, yeah, that and scene. just a few verses later, just it's meditate beautiful. on it because mm -hmm. Jesus knows exactly how you feel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that, but there's a hope, right? And that's what Phil. I would love for you to kind of yep. give us the other perspective because yeah. what we can also give our kids is the fact that death, although maybe scary, it's not hopeless. There's hope. It's hopeful. Yeah, exactly. You know, this question is two layered because she's talking about her four year old, but then at the end she says that she herself is fearful of death. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think we're kind of answering this question from all angles. So parenting, like we like to say, is not an exact science, it's mm -hmm. a wisdom issue. Every child is different, every stage and age is different. And so, yes, for a four year old, you need to be very careful how you talk about it. Um, on the other hand, Brooke and I were at uh, Moses Comer, John Mark's oh. number two son, oh when he was gosh. beginning the primal path, oh which is gosh. age 13 to 16, which is a really good thing. Like, like we're gathering around and you're going to enter into becoming a man. Yes. And John Mark began with Moses, you are going to die. <laughs> and that, but he was talking to him about the reality of life. And then he mm -hmm. talked to him about what are you going to do with your life? Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that the reality that we need to normalize death when it's yes. appropriate to do it. Okay? Yes. It is part of life. But the beautiful thing about following the way of Jesus is we get the gift of eternal life. Yes. And so that's where the hope comes in, the hope of heaven. You know, the New Testament calls it the blessed hope, the happy, blessed is happy, the happy hope mm -hmm. of the return of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so raising passionate Jesus followers, we need to help them see that this life is short. Mm -hmm. e even if you live to be, you know, like we talked about Tom, whose children and mm -hmm. grandchildren couldn't stop talking about mm -hmm. him and half of them named their kids, you know, Tom. Mm -hmm. Well, everybody wants to go like Tom. You know, I got a call. It was New Year's Eve. Well, it was actually 1 a.m. just past New Year's Eve, I get the phone a phone call, and I was expecting to hear Isabel just died, which was his wife, but it was Tom just died. And he'd gone to a, a New Year's Eve celebration with one of his kids and grandkids, got home at midnight, parked his car, said to Isabel, he's 91, I don't feel very good. Sat down, bam, he was gone. <laughs> I mean, everybody wants to go like that. I asked you yesterday, we were meeting, yeah. and I said, Phil, how is it you want to die? Because I would love to pray that in for you, just so oh, it can yeah. be a gracious thing. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I want to die like Tom Morton. Yeah. Yes. But I used to hear Luis Palau say, I'm not scared of death. I'm not looking forward to the process of dying. Right. Oh, Those are two good. different things. That's so a, a believer does not have to fear death because... Mm. There's new life. After okay. death comes resurrection. The Bible says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. We need to teach these things to our kids. And just and, slow down there. Yeah. That is a really important verse there, I think. Yeah. That absent from the body, present with the Lord. The indication is there's no pause. There's no blank space. Yeah. yeah. There's no other place that we go to until we're worthy of going to the mm, presence of God. That's good. Yeah. I mean, just picture it. Say you're in a car accident and you die. You, you are immediately transported or carried. A lot of yeah. the old writers talk about Jesus is carrying yeah. you 
into the very presence of God. Yeah, that's a truth for followers of Jesus and for young children that don't even have mm-hmm. the ability yet to understand that. Immediately you're with the Lord, but at the right time, we need to teach this to our kids. And then mm-hmm. that's what makes life so worth living. You know, uh, to, to the parent who asked this question, I, I would recommend that you get, if you don't already have it, Randy Alcorn's book, Simply called Heaven. They have one for kids. They have a kids. And they have heaven, heaven for, for kids. kids I would great. start with Heaven for Kids. Yes. And then when you're done with Heaven for Kids, read he- I, I Diane handed it to me again today. I'm, I've never read this cover to cover. I've met Randy. I have the utmost respect for him. And he goes it's into all kid. kinds of ki- questions kids ask about their pets. Our pets going to be in heaven? But he does a beautiful job of talking about the theology of heaven. And, and uh, you know, we could do a whole sermon series. But I, I a couple other things I wanted to say. I, when I grew up as a little kid, I was in a liberal church, and it was very common in liberal churches. I don't know where this prayer came from, but everybody was praying it. Your parents would have you kneel at your bed at night. Uh, now yeah. I lay me down yeah. to sleep. Did you pray this prayer? Uh, I, yeah. I pray bit. the Lord my soul to keep. Yes. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Well, what are you praying that with your kid for? Like, going to pray if yeah, you're going to die tonight. But prayer. so my friend Dan Owens, who's with the Lord now, younger Whoa. than me, went to be with the Lord. He ended up getting brain cancer. But he remembers as a little kid after his parents led, he, the prayer was on the wall. And he would cross his fingers, fall asleep with his fingers crossed. I hope I go to heaven. I hope I go to heaven. And when he met Jesus, he realized, I don't have to hope I go to heaven. I can know I'm going to heaven because I've given my life to Jesus. And so that's why I say leading your kids to Christ is the beginning of giving them a great hope. And Randy, in his book, he talks about this life, whether it's 10 years, 20 years, or 91 years, it's just over compared to eternity. Mm-hmm. So we, he said, like, we live in this dot, but eternal life is this long line. Mm. So you live in the dot, but you live for the line. Mm. And so I'm living for eternity. Yeah. And that's why reminder. Jesus said, and I'm almost done here, but I got I many other this. thoughts. This really but helpful. John 14 they were troubled. His disciples, he told them, I'm going to go away. And, you know, they were grieving. So he said, mm-hmm. let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. I would read this to my kids. Mm-hmm. In my father's house are many dwelling places or homes, houses. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will receive or bring you to myself so that where I am, you can be there also forever. Mm. So that's the hope. You know, and I I I I wrote a thing the other day, hope, H O P E. It's alliteration. Alliteration. Heaven oriented perspective every day. Hope. Did you make that up? No, I think it was uh, our friend Michelle I think made it up or or something Someone. like it and but I couldn't remember it. So Say it again. I jotted this down, and if she made it up, great. If I tweaked hers, fine. I like this Heaven-oriented perspective every day, H-O-P-E. That's great. So I think I'm living for eternity. I'm looking forward to being with Jesus, and I know when that moment comes, I'm with the Lord, and that's where all the teaching about heaven is so beautiful, that Mm -hmm. God gives perfect gifts, and it's going to be a home, and it's going to be comfortable, and and all the things that we could say about heaven, but I really believe this is a beautiful thing to teach. And, 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 you know, we're going to grieve those who we love who, who do die. Like I, I'm still grieving my mom. Mm-hmm. Diane knows I grieved her hard for a year and a half. And I go to my mom and dad's grave because they were such great parents. And I got to baptize them when they were older. And I, I cry at their grave, but I, but as I'm crying and even talking to them, I I know I'm going to see my mom again. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. I'm going to see my dad again. And that mm. just like, you know, the Bible says, we who follow Jesus, it says in, in 1 Thessalonians 4, we, we grieve, but not as those who have no hope. Mm-hmm. So we grieve with a hope. Mm. Heaven-oriented perspective every day. So I think what a joy to teach that to your kids. Like, yeah. you know, hey, yeah, none of us know what's going to happen today. Let's enjoy each other. Let's enjoy mom and dad. Let's enjoy our kids. Mm. Let's walk with the Lord. And and let's let's live a life that really matters, realizing that, Hey, if I give my life to Jesus and I belong to him, hmm. I'm going to be with him forever. And all the people yes. I love who have given their lives to Jesus are going to be there with me. I love mm. that. I love that. That was and really full. Even, don't like you think that. that even answers the first question to the, the mother who's overwhelmed mm. by her life? That is our hope. You mm-hmm. know, really, what a perspective that is when life is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I love I love all of that. And I know we could do a whole other deep dive, but I think that was a lot. And even the hope that the, even the, the word hope, but even that, that alliteration, that's really helpful. So write mm-hmm. that down. Heavenly or say it one more time. Heavenly Heaven oriented, oriented perspective every day. Heaven oriented perspective every day. That's a great tattoo. Phil, maybe it's your first one. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, that's, that's what Jesus did. He said, I always do the things that are pleasing to my father. Yes. yes. And he knew mm-hmm. he was going to go, he was separated from his father, but he's going to be with him again. Yes. You know, and that's why he gave his life on the cross so that we could be with him forever. I love mm-hmm. it. I think he missed you. My joke. Did you about make my joke about the tattoo? tattoo? I didn't hear that. Oh, I just what said, did you say? I, just said that, I missed that. That's a perfect first tattoo. That that hope. <laughs> just I'm just thinking down your back. That would be real cool. Just big H O P E. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Just pray about it, Phil. That's all I'm asking. Not going to happen. <laughs> If you're enjoying this content and you want to go deeper, we have an amazing resource that we want to tell you about. It's the intentional film series, Raising Passionate Jesus Followers. Now, this is an incredible tool for you for spiritual formation in the family. And we created this film series to help parents in their God-given task to raise and disciple their own children. Now, our hope is that we're able to help you and give you some of the tools that I know we so desperately need as we're in the process of raising our kids and Phil and Diane have actually raised their kids. This is a nine-session film series on the process of what raising a passionate Jesus follower actually looks like. There's some workable solutions in here, there's a bunch of wisdom from the scriptures, and there's a bunch of practical help in your journey as you are raising your children. We cover all sorts of things like parental roles, goals versus values, what is discipline versus punishment, how do I create a heart of obedience in my child where they actually want to obey, what is a heart of self-control look like? Or how do I even help my child in the process of character development? We cover that and so many more things. You can use this film series in a variety of ways. You can use it at your home, preferably with your spouse if that's applicable, with a group of friends or in your community, or even through your local church. All you need to do is head over to our website, intentionalparents.org, click on film series, and then follow the prompts. We have a bunch of other resources there that you can check out, but we do pray that this blesses you in your pursuit of raising passionate Jesus followers. Okay, so, you know, we've had a couple of questions for the moms. Let's talk one for the dads. Uh, how does a husband cultivate cultivate vision for the family when he didn't see his own father do it? Where would he start? And we're all looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a great way to turn that around, sweetheart. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Phil, I would love to hear your thoughts. I'm, I'm sure I haven't even really thought about this, but um, do you have anything to start or would you like me to start, Phil? Yeah. Uh, no, you, I, I, I mean, 
I I never had a written out mission statement. I think that's a good thing. But I, I think where you start as a dad is, am I walking with Jesus? Am I living an authentic, joyful, spirit-filled life? And if I'm doing that, then I'm naturally going to be a godly father to my kids and begin to lead our family in the way of Jesus. And then that's where I start. And then as that starts to unfold, you start to figure out, oh, wow, having family Bible times is really important. You know, mm-hmm. so that that becomes part of our mission. We read the scriptures together, whatever. So, um, you know, and, and I think that if you've got a godly wife, you do it together. Like it doesn't have to just be the the dad coming in saying, here's the manifesto <laughs> oh, no, for yeah. the Comer family. No, no, you no. Know? I, I it's think like, a lot I think you times, do it together, right? I think a lot of women are more verbal, oh, you know, yeah. verbal processors quite often. And I think a lot of times that we're the ones who can kind of read our husbands and verbalize what their vision for our family is. I think that's what you happened that in our case us. is I could see that Phil's passion for his kids was that they would grow up to love and walk with Jesus. And he'd been all the way up into your 20s, really not ever walking with uh, God. No. And no. all the junk that goes with that, yeah. and the grief and the shame and the experiences that you can't get out of your mind. And he didn't want that for his kids. So yeah, and, and I all... didn't have eternal life. I, I went to yeah. church but didn't know who Jesus was, so I wanted my kids, I yeah. wanted to know they're going to be with me forever. And that, that yeah. was a driving factor for Yeah, for but us. I think it was easier for me to to point out to you that that was your vision for our family. Absolutely. And my vision for our family, but mine was a little different. You can, ex- you can still explain different... me to myself. Yeah, I do. <laughs> well, it's like, I explain well, see, him to well, himself what, all the time. That's what Jesus does with us. He explains yeah. us to us. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Let me help you understand what's going on. I think, though, the vision piece is, to me on this question, the vision piece isn't even as as big of part of the question as the when when you didn't have an example of it. How do you be yeah. a good, present, loving, thoughtful dad when you didn't get that modeled to you? And the vision piece is important. And I would say we have vision for our family, right? And but at the same time, I think that the challenge that I hear in this question is where do you this is the question, where do you start? How do you start that? And I know for, I'm thinking of a couple things because I didn't have that growing up. Uh, and so I would say it for me, it first started with finding people and finding men that I saw that were like, whoa, I don't know how that works. And I don't know how he's able to do that or be that kind of dad or be that kind of person, but I'm really drawn to that. Mm-hmm. And yes. so, and, and you can know those people and like, I think it's better when you can do life with them, but this can even be people that are long dead. These can be mm-hmm, authors mm-hmm, even and people that mm-hmm. you learn from. I think there's people that uh, mentor us both that are through uh, written word and also just through life. And so mm-hmm. finding those people that are really big examples. And then I think finding help to do it. And then I think more than anything, the hardest lesson that I've had to learn is being humble mm-hmm. to just admit that you naturally do not know how to do it. Yeah. That like what comes to me instinctually in parenting a lot of the times is usually the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. And my wife tells me about that usually. (laughs) She's a she's my biggest sounding board. But as my kids have gotten older, they are too. Mm -hmm. They're a big sounding board of like, Mm -hmm. I don't like I don't like the way you're handling that. Um, And that's both uh, that's really hard. And if if I took on some of the ideals of 
how I was raised to, or that even generationally, like you don't, you don't question authority or you don't, it's not even questioning authority as much as it's like, uh, you don't, don't ask me why I'm asking you to do this. Just do what I say. Like kids don't get a say. Mm -hmm. Like a, Mm -hmm. like almost like, uh, blind obedience, like Mm -hmm. obey no matter what, which of course there's a part of there where it's like, yeah, you need to learn to obey, but it needs to be out of a place of relationship. So I think examples are huge. I think it would start with examples. I would start with figuring out what kind of dad do I want to be? And I know Mm -hmm. for me, one of the most helpful things, and this is going to sound silly, but I think it's very helpful is writing out your own obituary. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Like what would I hope for my family to stand up and say Mm -hmm. when I die, when I'm Tom Moore's you know, age and stage. Mm -hmm. And I had done this probably a couple years ago. That was really helpful. Um, And then even this last summer, Steve, our brother-in-law, Steve Opperman, Matthew, and then John Mark, we all, we all go camping once a year at least. And we get together and we just do deep dives and talks about everything in in life and prayer and all this wonderful stuff. (laughs) And John Mark, uh, he, he said, he's like, I want to do this practice. And he'd asked me if we had done it, which is writing your own obituary. And I said, I had done it, but the other guys hadn't, but I did it again, which was fun. And it was so we all like took an hour, went out into the woods somewhere and came back with our obituaries, which just <laughs> felt so funny. But it also was really cool to like read what yeah. you had hoped. And we did a little bit more detail. We we did like, what do I hope Elizabeth says about me? What do I hope uh-huh. Duke and then Scarlett and then yeah, family that's and friends? Beautiful. So it, it's, it's really interesting when you start to like almost uh-huh. build backwards, build from the, the sky down type uh-huh. thing. Um, I think that's helpful as far as where do you start? I think you start mm-hmm. to ask what kind of person, if you're not naturally kind or loving or gener- start by praying into those things. Were you going to say something? You know, maybe this is too negative. I think vision is mostly positive. But it seems like for me at least, and I'm not a father, but um, obviously, um, a lot of my vision for who I want to be as a mom came from negative. Yeah. Seeing negative bad examples mm-hmm. and saying, I really don't want to, to be that drift yeah. i i know that because that was my example it'll be easy for me to drift that way and so purposely saying i don't want to be that person mm-hmm. um i i think is is a helpful component not out of bitterness but out of you know maybe intentionality knowing that the sins of the parents are often passed on to the kids mm. so certain things we will have to battle against that we don't become just like that parent who maybe hurt us. Mm -hmm. So in my case, my mom would get really angry because she really didn't have somebody teaching her how to express big emotion um, in an appropriate way. Mm -hmm. That generation didn't know anything about that. Mm -hmm. So she felt these big things and erupted in a lot of rage and anger. So all I knew is I didn't want to be angry, but I mean, I had so much to learn to get there. And so that's what I think, I think you have to remember about vision. You may have a vision for this to be this person, but you're also going to have to learn if you didn't have the example, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. Don't give up. I mean, I swore I would never yell at my kids and I yelled at my kids how could so you? you just don't give up. You just keep pushing <laughs> keep forward, going. making the repairs necessary in your family, and you don't give up saying this is impossible. You say, I need to learn more. I well, need to press I was, into more. I was more. just thinking about how, yes, uh, I, I had the same conversation with Scarlett. You know, the apologizing is huge. Like, 
and the ongoing learning is huge. But I was, we were having an, an off day. I was really irritable. She was quite irritable and emotional at this stage of life, which is kind of a general thing right now. And there's a lot of <laughs> feelings. And so I had handled her wrong. It was just rude and, and, you know, angry with her and just misspoke. And so I sat down and apologized. I said, listen, I am sorry. I, I don't want to speak to you the other way. I'm, will you please forgive me? And will you please just, all I'm asking is be patient. I've never had an almost 12 year old daughter so you know what she I'm told never, me about this she tells you about she this. did and, and she then goes she turned to me and that. she said um uh, he just doesn't understand about hormones <laughs> 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 oh but oh but i do sweetheart oh but i do um she told you about this i just told her i was like i just you know i've never actually raised a this is my first time. So if you could just also be a little patient with the fact that I don't always know how to handle these big emotions and feelings. It really <laughs> impressed her because she didn't tell me that you were irritable. Oh, she she just told me this, yeah. that, that you had said that yeah. you've never raised an 11 year old daughter. Before. Yeah. She well, really I, impressed her. <laughs> That's so funny that she told you. <laughs> I think the thing, two things keep that. coming to mind as you guys have been talking, but I think the vision comes as a result of the healing like watching mm. watching how you brooke have gone after healing from the things that you didn't receive mm -hmm. um it feels like your vision for what you want to instill in our kids has beautifully unfolded as a result of the healing that you've received mm -hmm. and i think for any parent, but I think especially if you're having to forge a totally new path, you just have to get really good at repair. So exactly what you just said of sitting down with Scarlett, apologizing <laughs> to her, saying, I've never done this before. <laughs> like that, I, I that's, really haven't. that's repair. Mm -hmm. And like, I think if you can, like you said, of like, it took you a while to, you had an expectation that you were just supposed to know how to do this. And so it felt like fail failure to you every time you didn't know how to do it. And when we would talk about it, and I'm sure I handled it terribly of telling you how you should do it with no intention of like, I wasn't mad at you that you didn't know how to do it, but you internalized that as I'm failing. I'm supposed to know this stuff. Well, I feel like- well, how, do, how do you know stuff if you were never given that stuff yeah. or never no. got to see it yeah. modeled? You don't get to then take what you saw modeled and maybe improve upon it. You're starting from scratch. But I think if you, if any father and mother, but I think it's sometimes even more powerful coming from dads, has the humility to say, I know I'm not doing this area great. I really want to grow. I want Jesus to change me. Kids, will you just be patient with me as it's happening? That is so much more powerful than trying to pretend like you know how to do it and you've talked to 10 people and they're telling you what to do, but right in the moment, you're triggered by all your childhood stuff, but you're trying to say the right things. Like your kids are not going to absorb <laughs> that or learn anything from that. But if you have the humility yeah. to say, I'm sorry, like I want to be a patient, calm dad uh, and I'm learning and I'm growing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think that that's where you start. Like I think what was this question? Where do you start? Yeah, where do you start? Yeah. You said the word humility twice yeah. in the last few sentences mm -hmm. and I was going to bring that up. 
Brooke responded in humility, and generally that will lead to understanding. Mm -hmm. You know, God is opposed to the proud, gives grace Mm -hmm. to the humble, but Mm -hmm. also people are opposed to the proud (laughs) and will give grace to the humble generally. Mm -hmm. And so you came along and said, Hey, I've never, you're my oldest daughter. I've never. I've never walked never this path before, so <laughs> I'm trying, you know, <laughs> this land might but, have I, you know, back to the question, like, you know, if you didn't have an example, like today I was talking to a pastor in Washington who's, you know, planning to figure out how to use our film series and do like a weekend event in his church. And he made the comment that most of the young couples in his church didn't have an example. I said, we see this everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. So many yeah. people, their parents, even if they went to church, were not really authentically, passionately following Jesus. But now they are, and they want to raise their kids to be passionate Jesus followers, but there wasn't an example. And I think that's where the church comes in. Hmm. Like, I, you hit on this. Like, what did you do? Hmm. You looked around. That's what we did. Yeah. We looked we around. We had we good parents, but a- they weren't following way of Jesus. But once we were truly radically saved, we're in the church, and we looked, and we could tell we you did. their names. Yeah. It was pretty obvious like, I hope our family kind of turns out like that. Yeah. Well, I, specifically, yeah. Bill and Lori, Lori Kais poured yeah. into us and made themselves available. Mm. We pursued them. They didn't pursue yeah. us. You started mm. running with her and mm-hmm. asking her questions. And they're mm-hmm. still our friends and mentors to this day. They're older than me. And and I feel like that's where the church comes in, you know, in, in Mark three where jesus is teaching and hey your mother and brothers are outside and and he says who are my mothers and brothers he doesn't it sounds like he disses them and i've heard people preach this almost like he didn't care about his mom outside i don't believe that for one minute because the last thing he did on the cross was take care of his mom but he says looking about at those sitting around behold my mother and my brothers whoever does does the will of god he's my brother and sister and mother. And so I feel like mm. that's the church. That's where the church comes in. Yeah. You look around in the church. That's why going, being part of the church is so important. Mm. And you will find their brothers and sisters, fathers and mothers. And so I think that, and then, like you said, Diane said, pursue them when you can. Mm. That's what yeah. you said. Yeah, and that them, will yes. help you shape your vision because they are your brother, sister, or father, mother yeah. in the faith, and but, they can help you learn to walk the way and create yeah. a family that you didn't grow up in. You can start a whole new line of passionate yeah. Jesus followers. You don't have to live out the, the story yes. that your parents, because of their brokenness, yes. you know, lived out with you. You can live a whole new line. That's well, exciting I, to me. I think it's really interesting. Someone asked me the other day, do you have any like mentors in your life? And I started thinking about it, and I was like, the answer is, of course, yes. But then I started kind of just calculating, and I realized like, well, when it comes to fatherly stuff, like obviously you and you feel like we work together, but you've operated as a, a father for me in so many ways. And so I always have this wealth of wisdom, which I totally take for granted, meaning I make fun of you. And <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, like, like, so I have you in my life, which is huge. 73 years old. You've been in ministry your whole life. Fountain of wisdom. We all know at this table, one of your gifts is wisdom. So I have yeah. you in my life. Then I thought about it like, okay, then I have these two different therapists who are both in their 70s, by the way. Well, Both in their 70s. That's right. That, that was really interesting. Then I I had recently connected with our friend Jerry Sitzer, and I was looking yeah. at his life, and I was like, you're 74 years old, and you're a beautiful human, and I don't know yeah. how you get to that, but I just would love to, anytime I can get, can I just spend yeah. it with you? And he's like, you know, he's just really gracious, generous human, and him too. So then I'm yeah. realizing like, there's four 70-plus dudes in my life, and then yeah. I have a friend who I talked to just you know consistently and have check-ins about everything going on in life accountability so to speak and i started realizing like i have this actually i don't have just like a mentor i have like an army of people that are around me that are helping me at life and i think 
you know, it's it's not it's not everything, but I think it's it's a lot. I it's think that lot. having people in your life to give you hope and vision that are different from you. One of my favorite things, like so, John Mark and I have been close our whole life, or since we've known each other. But the funniest thing is we're we couldn't be more opposite. But every single time we're together, there's these rich conversations that come about that cause me to try to think about things in a way that I don't naturally think. Mm-hmm. And that's actually super important because mm-hmm. he's looking at the world in a way that I don't. And I think you have to surround yourself with yeah. people like that. Yeah. And that army of people, I think, is one of the reasons I can even attempt to try to be a normal husband or normal father yeah. because they're helping me see what I can't see. But here's what I'm listening to. And and I've been seeing in your life for all these years, you pursue, you act, mm-hmm. you're not passively hoping no, somebody no. comes and says, <laughs> hey, would never you like me to mentor you? you yeah, know, no, let's meet every happen. Monday morning before work. You are going after yeah. these relationships. Yeah. And they're long-term relationships. Yeah. None of those are, Yeah, you just no. randomly met them and are trying to learn from them. Those are people mm-hmm. who have been in your life for a really long yeah. time. And yeah. I think that that's something that is quickly lost in our culture right now. Even though yeah. I was thinking when you were saying you guys looked around the church, well, that infers that you have right. to you went be, to church. <laughs> but not just go no, yeah, yeah, I don't and mean attend, that. Like, but you people. have to be involved yeah. in order to sure. be able to get to know the people who you might yeah. want to speak into your life. That's and then you have to see if they're willing to. And it, like, it's a process, yeah. but it takes deep investment in relationships. Yeah, yeah. We used to say church is not that place I go to, but th- this place I'm part of, this family I'm part of. Yeah. But I love what you said, there's multiple people. because, And I think that's important. So many yes. people, well, so-and-so is my mentor. And yeah. he's been, you know, it might be one person for a season, but no person except Jesus himself yes. has everything you need. Yeah. And so close. God will bring different people into your life at different times to right. meet different totally. needs. And I think that um, that's that's beautiful. And I think that, you know, Jesus is, is the perfect God-man. And he can meet needs that no one mm-hmm. else can. But he mm-hmm. created us to live in community, and he will bring people into our lives. And so we have to be looking for that and mm-hmm. seeking it and asking for it. And then asking God will it. use those people to shape you, and he'll use your spouse more than anybody. <laughs> in <laughs> oh, that, yes, in that he close, will. very close relationship. Yeah. Well, I know we could go on and on um, with with more questions, uh, but we will do another Q&R very soon. But as you are gathering your family around wherever you're at and wherever you're listening to this, whether you're on a walk or uh, driving your car to work or some appointment, we just do pray that this blesses you and encourages you. And if this was encouraging, would you just share it with a friend? If you know somebody that would benefit and be encouraged or is dealing with some of the topics we covered today, feel free to share that with a friend. Thank you for listening.